Nick, it's Jeffrey Lurie. Hey, Mr. Lurie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Well, I got a kind of a big question for you. Absolutely. How would you like to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Man, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, and congratulations. Got everybody listening here. <laughs> Thank you, we are so incredibly excited for the coach you are and the coach you can become and everything you bring to the best fan base in America is, is off the charts and um, we had really good candidates you stood out in so many ways and I, I can't wait for you to join all of us and reach for more Lombardi trophies because that's, that's what we're going to do Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right. Another week, we're talking about the new scheme as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 305. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Robert Mays, a guy I've been itching to have on this show for a while. Robert is the host of the Athletic Football Show. You may have followed his work previously for the ringer and he does an outstanding job over with the athletic i know he's got thoughts about the new eagles head coach nick sirianni so we'll talk about what he's seen and what he's heard about him his scheme and how all the pieces could come together here in philadelphia right at the top of the show before we get there with chalk talk a couple of quick things i wanted to hit on first off it's senior bowl week normally i am down in mobile alabama for one of my favorite weeks of the year obviously with the state of the country right now that was not happening for me this year but That being said, my coverage of the event will not go anywhere. In fact, we'll be having daily podcasts this week covering the top prospects. We've got exclusive analysis, interviews with college coaches that you don't want to miss. You're not going to get those anywhere else. Dane Brugler is down there on the ground in Mobile. We're doing mock drafts, all kinds of fun, talking with some of the top names all across the Senior Bowl. So make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Dane Brugler, Ben Fennel will be breaking it all down every single day this week. So be sure to go check that out and subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. Also, I mentioned Ben Fennel there, and he and I are doing a new segment right here on this podcast every single week. It's a new spin on our scouting report segment. Last week, we looked at the Green Bay Packers run game as the number one seed in the NFC. And this week, with the Eagles making the announcement with Nick Sirianni, we decided to turn our attention towards the Colts offense and look at a big chunk of their explosive pass plays. So we're going to go and look at all of their passes that went for more than 20 yards. If you want to watch along with us, head over to NFL Game Pass. You could bounce around in there, watch a couple, a bunch of those plays there. I know one of our listeners, uh, Neil Dutton, from over across the pond, was able to jot those plays down, post them up on Twitter. I'll try and do the same thing this week. And so if you want to join us in watching that film, we'll be sharing our takeaways later this week right here on the program. That being said, let's get to this show. It's time to dive into our chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, excited to welcome into the show this week somebody that I criminally just have never had on the show. And I'm so happy to welcome in Robert Mays from The Athletic. You can hear him every single week. I subscribe to the show. All of you out there should as well. The Athletic Football Show. Robert, welcome to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, man. 
you should have been on my show at some point earlier. We, we should have gotten to this point. Somehow we never did. No question. So uh, obviously, look, big news with the Eagles making the the, uh, the coaching hire. Nick Sirianni coming in, uh, previously the offensive coordinator with the Indianapolis Colts. And I, and I want to ask you, because I know you talk to players, you talk to coaches all around the NFL. When you see that, when you see that come across your Twitter timeline, what's what was your initial thought? And then what what have you heard? What's the scoop that you've gotten uh, on Sirianni as a coach and the impact he's had on the guys that he's been around? It's a little bit surprising. You know, I think that people who pay attention to the league know who Nick is. And he's somebody that filled a couple different roles with the Chargers. You know, I remember talking to him for a couple different stories I've worked on in the past about Keenan Allen, honestly, because he was mm. Keenan Allen's position coach there for a couple of years. And then he was also Philip Rivers' position coach. So he worked with both of those guys individually at different times. So I've really talked to him about specific stuff. I've never had any conversations with him kind of big picture philosophy, things like that. But he always came across as a sharp guy to me. And again, he's had success with some of the guys that he's worked with. It's a couple of people I've talked to since the hire, somebody who had worked with him in the past, an executive with the team, just said that he's going to need help. And that's not surprising. You know, this is similar to a guy like Matt Nagy getting the job in Chicago when he did, where you're an offensive coordinator, but the purview of the offense was never entirely yours. And the jump in responsibilities is considerable. So he's going to have to lean on specific areas of his staff. I think the defense is going to be something where an experienced defensive coordinator that can completely look at that side is going to be important. And the GM that I talked to said he's going to need a little bit of molding. You know, he's going to need a strong GM presence that's going to kind of help him through the early parts of this job. And so it's going to be something to watch. You know, he's somebody that's young and has never really had a ton on his plate compared to some of the other candidates that we saw get jobs in this hiring cycle. And I'm going to be honest. I know that you've done those pieces on Phillip Rivers. You've done those pieces on Keenan Allen. Uh, and I have to ask you, we're now a, f- a few days, a week or so removed from Phillip Rivers making the announcement. I know he's one of your favorite players. How are you holding up uh, after he has announced uh, his retirement, his departure from the league? I'm doing okay. <laughs> you know, I, it's so funny because I had more than one person say to me, you know, whether we were recording the podcast or having conversations that day. And they're like, you're the first person I thought of when I heard the news. That's so weird. I'm not a Chargers fan. I'm I'm not a Colts fan. I don't cover either of those teams specifically, but those Chargers teams and, and Phil especially just had kind of a special place in my heart. I just think that if you appreciate the position, he did all these little things that other guys just don't do. And he did it with a singular style that I think you have to appreciate. And he's always somebody that I just loved watching play quarterback because of the way that he did it. And I'll be honest, my Sundays are going to be a little less fulfilling now, a little less interesting without him in my life. So with that in mind, you know, I listen to the, the athletic football show every week and uh, the Indianapolis Colts in 2020, almost the unofficial team of the <laughs> athletic football show. And so I was like, all right, I want to bring on Robert to talk about just what he feels the identity was of that offense this year. Obviously, it had to kind of morph each of the last three years with three different quarterbacks, Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, and then this year with Phillip Rivers. But just from what we saw this year with Frank Reich, with Nick Sirianni, with Phillip Rivers, what's the elevator speech on what the identity was of that offense and how they wanted to attack defenses every week? I think there are similarities over the last three years. I kind of throw out 2019 because the Jacoby Brissett experience is a little bit different. I think they had to mold things for him in a specific way. But if you go back and look at the 2018 offense, which I watched a little bit this morning to prep for this, and then the 2020 offense, there's a lot of similarities. And I think the number one defining characteristic is you read it inside out. They have so much stuff happening in front of the quarterback. And you saw them play against the Bills. They ran like 30 mesh plays in that game. And they have everything come off of that. So with luck, 
you had a little bit more depth to some of this stuff, some deep crossing routes, and that's how you take your shots. But even with Rivers, the quote-unquote shot plays were all extensions off of stuff coming open over the middle of the field. So it's a corner route off of mesh, or it's a crossing route where the wide receiver takes it vertically after initially coming across the field. So everything unfolds in front of the quarterback. You're not going to see a lot of stuff designed to happen outside the numbers. And I think that that really helps quarterbacks see things. And I think the other really beneficial part of what that offense is, is everything works in unison and concert with one another. Mm-hmm. All of the mesh variations are extensions. So you're reading things in a way that makes sense. It's all step one to step two to step three. If one play, you know, if it's just a simple mesh concept, the complement to that will look the same with a slight variation. They almost use those mesh plays as a version of play action. And what I mean by that is they use those short crossing routes as a way to influence linebackers and attack behind it. So it's just another way to kind of accentuate quarterback efficiency, but in a way that not a lot of the offenses in the NFL typically do. And I feel like with using that mesh concept as as an example, plays like that that are built into that offense – you talked about just the specific form of progression reading where it makes sense for the quarterback. He's working from left to right. He's working from right to left and everything is in concert where it's in time with the drops. And at times that was not always the case uh, this past year, you know, watching Carson Wentz, watching Jalen Hurts where things were just a little bit disjointed. So I'm excited to kind of see what that will look like here this year. And I feel like that's a big reason why. uh, And he has said this in other pieces that he's done over his time in Indianapolis is, you know, just even just looking at the numbers. I mean, this was an offense that's predicated on yards after catch, you know, creating Mm -hmm. opportunities for those guys to be able to create with the ball in their hands, you know, over the last uh, five years, just looking at the offenses he's been a part of both in uh, Indianapolis and then over with the chargers, they've been in the top 10 in yards after catch three of those five years to the top 15, four of those five. And what's impressive about that is he's doing that despite only cracking the top 10 in forced missed tackles once during those five years. So it's not like, Hey, they had a guy that was just making guys miss over and over and over again. The system itself was able to create space for those guys to be able to create some of those chunk plays. And they've always been uh, one of the biggest uh, teams in terms of explosive play percentage, being able to create some of those chunk plays, despite not attacking downfield bombs away play after play after play. That's absolutely right. And I think that if you look at a guy like Jalen Rager and what he was supposed to be coming into the league, he was supposed to be that playmaker ball in his hand, with the ball in his yeah. hands type of guy. And I think that if you go back, especially this year, if you focus on that, some of the stuff they were doing with Michael Pittman, especially later in the season, I think would be applicable to what the ways they might use Jalen Rager. And I think a specific play that jumps out to me, two of them from the wild card game, one, There was just a tunnel screen they ran to Pittman, just kind of creating space inside for him. They do a lot of that within that offense. And two, similar to a play I was talking about before, where it looks just like a simple mesh concept, but he takes it vertically up the field as he comes across. Mm -hmm. That's not an explosive down the field type play, but it's still a 25 yard gain because you're having him make plays with the ball in his hands, but it's not down the field where you're having to shake somebody. It's really baked into the structure of the play that you're getting guys open. So I think that that is a perfect kind of one-to-one comparison to the ways we could see Rager used within the offense. So you talk about Rager, when you look at some of the other weapons that uh, I feel like can be building blocks for this offense outside of the quarterback, you talk at, you know, look at the tight end, Dallas Goddard, the running back, Miles Sanders. Uh, how do you kind of see those guys being used within the structure of what we think the offensive scheme will look like? It's really fun because they weaponize their tight ends in Indianapolis in a fun way. You know, a lot of those mesh concepts 
involved wide receivers at the mesh point with the tight end being a kind of stamped on addition to those plays. So you'll see a bunch of different things, you know, Trey Burton hitting corner routes off of that type of structure. You'll see a deep dig with the tight end rather than a receiver out of that. If they feel like they have a matchup. And I just think being able to move Goddard around, cause he can play both of those roles. He can do yep. things that Jack Doyle did. He can do things that Trey Burton did. So that's the fun part is the tight ends aren't an afterthought. I mean, you can absolutely imagine Goddard, within those types of play concepts. And I think with the running back, I don't know how good of a route runner Miles Sanders is in terms of like up top, top tier in the league, because the way they use Naheem Hines in that offense, there are some fun things they did with him. And I think you could see Miles Sanders in some of those. I mean, Hines from the time they started with this in 2018, you're seeing him run sluggos, especially down near the red zone. You're seeing him as a weapon in that area of the field, you know, either split out, or lined up in the backfield and then exploiting people in the flat. And I just think that some of the stuff I've seen from Sanders as a receiver, especially last season, or two seasons ago when he was a rookie, I think you could see a ton of that kind of stuff with him in that Heinz role, along with the stuff they did with Jonathan Taylor this year. Yeah, and staying with the run game, you talk about Sanders. I'm interested to kind of feel, you know, get a feel for what this run game will look like. I feel like Jonathan Taylor, it took him a, a month or two to really kind of, you know, get his sea legs under him. But once he hit his stride, the back half of the year, uh, he was kind of the foundation of that offense. I wonder how uh, they'll view Miles Sanders, you know, in that kind of role, or if there's somebody that they would want to bring in to be that kind of compliment. I think that'll be one of the interesting storylines of the offseason. I think he'll be just fine. You know, yeah. a lot of the run game designs, it's the same as the Eagles. There isn't one or two run game plays that they go to. It's varied. You're going to see a lot of inside zone. You're going to see some power plays with pullers. And I think that's going to be beneficial for him because you know, the, like the Eagles don't run one thing. The Colts didn't run one thing. So standards is used to seeing those things unfold in front of him in a lot of different ways. And I think that that will be an experience he can take into this offense. I think the run games are going to be pretty similar, honestly. So the last thing I want to hit you on with is just talking about the pass game again. Um, I, I find it funny just thinking back to just the time I've spent here. And I remember when Chip Kelly got hired, uh, people were talking about, oh, you know, the offense is quarterback friendly, quarterback friendly. It's almost it was like a, a dirty word in the NFL. It was like, oh, you know, that, that's a that's a college thing. But and he said, look, your offense needs to be college friendly. If it's not quarterback friendly, you're running the wrong offense. And I feel like that kind of uh, sentimentality has taken hold around the league. And I know you you've talked a lot about the offenses uh, in the Kyle Shanahan tree and uh, you know all the things that they do there to try and make things easier for the quarterback. When you look at this offense and this structure, what are some of the tools you feel that they use to make it more friendly for the quarterback? It's really interesting because I am kind of a Kubiak Shanahan evangelist. That is the way that I would, <laughs> would coach and teach offense. And that's the system I would run if I were the one doing it. So when you look at what Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni did, it's very different than that. Yep. And I would be predisposed typically to be like, ah, you know what? That's not my favorite version of offense. But again, the ways they scheme up space and how everything fits together. You, know, you watch how that stuff unfolds in the middle of the field. And they're so good. The, way, the reason I love the Kyle, the Shanahan, Kubiak kind of approach is the space it creates for your quarterback. And that's done via play action for the most part. The, the Colts do such a good job or did such a good job of creating that space solely by route distribution. And yep. it's a lot of the ways we talked about with stuff unfolding in the middle of the field. You'll, you'll see the shallow cross with that dig coming in behind it. And it all fits together. And I think that's why it's successful is because you can understand how piece A fits with piece B. So even if it's not traditionally the ways that I would want to create 
space, especially in the middle of the field for a quarterback, they still do a good enough job or did a good enough job that it makes the job easy on the quarterback because he understands not just what he's seeing, but how he's seeing it and why he's seeing it that way. Uh, it all comes down to trying to put stress on defenders, you know, whether you're doing that horizontally, if you're doing it vertically, you know, all the different high-low reads, you know, in the middle of the field uh, in that offense. I find that to be really intriguing. And you talked about trying to get the ball in their play- playmaker's hands really fast. Robert, uh, this has been fun. We can keep going for a longer time, but I uh, really appreciate <laughs> you jumping on here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Anytime, man. Appreciate it. Great stuff from Robert, who you can follow just like I do on Twitter, at Robert Mays. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce to the Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the best way is going to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. I want to give a shout-out today who's someone who did just that. Foxy Rutt left a five-star review saying, Great podcast for a deeper dive. How does Jalen Hurts look when you go back and rewatch the games? Strengths, weaknesses. In this quarterback debate, I feel like what I've, I know what we can expect from Carson Wentz. It's hard to know what to expect from Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. And uh, look, it's a great question. Obviously, we had a smaller sample of Jalen Hurts, about three and a half games uh, that we got to see him in action. And I think when you look at him, Obviously, for a young quarterback coming into the league, he's going to lean on his athleticism. Those are the tools that he was able to lean on all through high school, all through college. He's going to lean on his legs, and you saw his ability to take off and make plays as a runner. He was also able to break the pocket and make plays as a passer as well, outside of structure. So you like seeing that. I thought that he had incredible poise, especially those first couple starts. I mean, going up against the New Orleans defense, you go out on the road against Arizona and play the way that he did. I thought we saw some really good things of his ability to play with poise and comfort. He didn't really look rattled. He did, however, break the pocket a little bit earlier than you would like at times, and that's not necessarily a a poise thing. It's more just uh, being able to trust, hey, I've got to hang in here and be able to let the offense work, make sure I'm allowing uh, those receivers to break open. I thought that there were too many times, especially the last couple of games, where he was just a little bit too fast to be able to break structure, and there were guys that were about to break open that he was not able to see and then therefore uh, deliver the football to. So that's certainly an area he would have to get better at. I thought we saw really good touch to all three areas of the field. He was able to make make throws uh, down the field. We saw him make some plays uh, in the quick game as well. The run game, a big, big portion of that. And you got to give a lot of credit uh, to the coaches that put together the run game for the Eagles during that stretch because they really leaned into Jalen Hurts' ability to impact defenses with his legs. And I think you know when you talk about the option run game, you talk about design quarterback runs, Obviously, he's going to take off and scramble every once in a while. That's not the design. But when you factor in, hey, we're going to run QB power. We're going to run QB draw. We're going to do the the zone read and all the different looks off of different option looks. Uh, obviously, the run pass option as well, uh, you know, where he can throw it or, or hand it off or keep it himself. All of those things really kind of culminate in his ability to really do damage you know, with his legs. And I, I think that was a big part, obviously, of his game. He's going to need to continue to improve in a couple of those areas. Obviously, being able uh, to you know, show a little bit more presence in the pocket, I think, will be big for him. Uh, he'll continue to improve there, and I'm excited to watch him continue to develop. I, I love watching young quarterbacks. I love watching quarterbacks develop. It's going to be fun uh, to continue to study Jalen Hurts and obviously uh, you know, see what he and Carson Wentz can do throughout the course of this offseason. We'll see what that looks like here in the coming months. So uh, great question there from Foxy. Appreciate the question. Appreciate the support as well. 
over on our Apple podcast page. The queue is empty, by the way. So if you've got a question, if you've got a topic that you want us to hit on, now is the time. Go on to Apple Podcasts, leave us a question, leave us a rating. We'll make sure we hit it right here on the next show. Special thanks to Robert Mays and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts over on Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you later this week. Raise a glass to that comforting feeling of an Eagles touchdown with the all-new Broaden Patterson Wine Collection created in partnership with Wink, featuring a Cabernet, a Rosé, and a Chardonnay. Broaden Patterson wines are the perfect pairing for any occasion. Now you can bring the sweet taste of victory with you to a dinner with friends or to the tailgate with your game day crew. Purchase online today at philadelphiaeagles.com wine to stock up and have Broaden Patterson delivered right to your door. A portion of proceeds from every bottle benefit Eagles Autism Foundation.